Hello, it's your favorite emo social club podcast. Uh, this Brian is the emo Alex social club podcast. You. you can't hear me. Oh, I Hello. couldn't hear you there for oh, a second. That's no, why. I was being. Now I can hear you. I was being gentle because normally, You're being like, too gentle. Normally, I come into the intro and I'm like screaming, like, "Ah, emo podcast!" Uh, hi, this is. Uh, this, this is the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live on EmoSocialClub.tv. And I, this week and this week only, as I am every other week, uh, am Brian. And uh, this week and every other week going forward for forever, <laughs> I'm Lizzie. And we have a guest on the Emo podcast. I gotta stop saying the whole name all at once. Uh, we have a guest today, uh, Nina Swint, if you want to say hello to the people. Hi, everyone. I also, forever and always, from this day forward, am Nina. <laughs> I make up the intro every single time, and I'm like, it's never going to get better. It's just going to stay exactly years. the same. Maybe you stick with one and perfect the one yeah. instead of trying something new every time. I don't think you can. I think that like when you do a podcast, every intro is its own unique flower, and you have to let each one bloom from uh-huh. the soil to the sky. The fuck did I just say? You know, this is, this is where we disagree. <laughs> uh, Nina, you are with us today to speak about safer scenes. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so safer scenes is a, a service that I decided to start offering. Um, the whole mission of the project is... Um, to create educational resources for promoters, talent buyers, people who create events, and also give fans, crew, and people a safe space to report instances that need more education. So if something happens at a show that's simple, could just be a simple comment from a bartender or security guard, or something happened, and they would like the people who are in charge of to put that event on to know what happened. Um, they can report it to us and we'll let the um, a promoter talent buyer know um, and provide educational resources to prevent those situations moving forward. What are cool. some of those um, educational resources that you would give to other people? Are they like pamphlets or is it like online sources or maybe like online training or sensitivity training, um, racial training? So that's a, I definitely launched this project with like the goals of it changing constantly, like the plan. Um, So originally it was just going to be basic square graphics that I could post on Instagram that I could directly email. Um, So that was the original plan and it would just be almost pamphlet and informational. Um, That then turned into um, a situation a few days ago, um, arose and I was like wow I really didn't know what it meant to be an active bystander and be someone who could actively intervene in these issues um so I'm right now looking into certification to be a trainer in active bystander training um so I can start providing that directly to promoters or bands as well 
Oh wow, bands too. Yeah, that's that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, where did this? Oh, sorry. Lizzie, you go ahead. Um, where did um this like idea come from? I know we were saying earlier this was originally supposed to be a different project that you were working on, but then you know COVID and shit hit the fan. Um, but where did this kind of idea arise from initially to kind of take one project and then morph it over into something else? So this entirely came from um, a girl on Twitter, a woman on Twitter, um, called out a bunch of bands for not saying anything about Black Lives Matter. And a lot of those bands were my friends. A lot of them are my clients. And I DM'd her and I was like, hey, you're calling out these bands for not being silent. I would love to talk more with you about what Speaking Up does, what event planners and promoters can do to make sure you feel safe at shows. Um, And when me and her hopped on the phone, um, she shared a story with me um, about a security guard um, saying something um, racist to her. And I was like, I was, and then she told me where it was um, and what tour it was. And I was there in the room with her. on the tour with the bands and I was just shocked because she told me she didn't feel comfortable talking to the bands about the instance because it seemed so small and I was like wow that sucks because a lot of times fans don't know promoters they don't know the venue managers but me as a tour manager as an agent I know a lot of these people and a lot of them are my friends too Um, So I wanted to provide a space where she could report that anonymously. And it's just a simple email, like to the venue manager. Hey, this happened at your show. Your security guard said something really inappropriate. Here's some like resources that you can share with your staff. So they know that these things are out of line and they shouldn't be doing that. That's really like good to do because I know at least in like my previous experience, um, not at, I mean, I've had weird encounters at shows before, but this kind of reminds me of when I was an undergrad, we had like bias reporting and it was essentially like if somebody had said something, you know, racially inappropriate or like hate speech or something, you can report that person and then whatever would happen next would happen next. When I was like reading the site and everything, I'm like, Oh, this is kind of what it is. But then you kind of have a more direct impact with those people who are, you know, actually putting on the events. And I feel like we have so many people who are like vocal about these different things, but when it comes to the action of it, I think people are like kind of either scared or they feel like they're stunted because there's not any proper resources to go around for it. Or maybe that they're like, well, I don't want to intervene because what if like X, Y, Z happens, like the worst case scenario, you know, where do we go from there? So I think this is a really great, initiative that you're putting forward thank you so sorry i just lost my question i was really interested when you mentioned the bands before because like it 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 sounds like your your initiative is to be kind of all encompassing about everybody in these spaces uh obviously with the fact that like it's it's bands that are primarily getting called out um 
I guess right now, like there's a lot of call out culture. We kind of talked about it a bit on our last episode, like just call out culture on Twitter in general and how I fucking hate it because it's not productive. Well, and it's re- not remember it's cancel and call out culture. Yes. They're two separate entities. Yes. They're just very close and definitional terms. See, and, and part of that is like, I'm seeing in certain industries, like with musicians, it's definitely like, we want to cancel these musicians. I'm also seeing now like in the restaurant industry, there's a lot of like, here are some restaurants and people who work there who are not uh, doing their part as part of our general mission or have uh, for sure like uh, noted instances of racism, sexism, sexual assault, like all these things that are happening in these places. And so I guess call out culture being the beginning of it and then cancel culture being the hopeful end result from the Twitter person who's saying it. Um, But a lot of it just to me feels very like that's it. Like we said our piece on Twitter and this is the end of that conversation. They are either canceled or they are not. Everybody either agrees or they disagree and there is no learning process. There's just, okay, okay, cool. We did it. We're done. And, and they either are shut down or not. Um, but it sounds like what your initiative would be then is like all encompassing of venues, bands, everybody who works at these places is working more towards a prevention of these issues, but also be like giving a resource for everybody to say, Hey, I, I am hearing what you're saying. And now I'm going to look into this resource in order to change and have active participation in my own recovery, my own changing of these, these patterns. Exactly. And I think that's important where if I say, hey, your security guard did this, your sound engineer did this, just so you know, if your bartender notices it, that could help prevent the harm. And that's where I decided active bystander training um, would be a really good solution for the venues to handle it as a whole. Mm. Um, And be able to tackle being like, hey, I may fire this one security guard but let me make sure all my staff is trained so in the future this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's where I decided to add that piece of <laughs> what this project is. That's where this project evolves with whatever is needed to be fit. We've been doing a lot um, in support of the National Independent Venue Alliance mm-hmm. um, because realistically, if our venues don't stay open, we have nowhere to make safer. We have no more shows to go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of my focus right now is making sure that these venues um, have the info or that the fans understand these venues really need our support. Um, and that's another reason why it's just creating safer scenes in general. It's a good umbrella to fit these multiple projects because the end goal is the same, just safer spaces. And then I saw that um, you did do a live stream with Rare Candy for Neva. Um, I think it was a couple nights ago, I believe, or yesterday night. Last Friday, yeah. Last Friday. Yeah. How was was that? Because I saw it and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So was it to like, um, like a fundraiser, I assume, or was it just for awareness? So we had three musicians. We had Home Safe, Rare Candy, and Better Love. Um, and all three bands did 20 minute sets. And during that stream, they shared stories about these venues, different memories from shows. Um, and that was really, um, Neva just, um, is asking for donations for operating costs. Um, so I was sharing the, um, donation link for Beat Kitchen and Sub Tea. 
um, two venues that are close to home for me. Um, and asking the bands to just make sure these fans realize how important these venues are. Um, so we were raising no funds directly, but just redirecting people to the Neva site as well as the donation links for our favorite venues. That's turning into a larger project now. Um, and I want to be announcing shows, online shows in the next few weeks um, with promoters from other cities across the country. Um, so that way they can then use this platform and the system to help raise awareness for their venues and their scenes. Very nice. That's awesome. Would you be um, like kind of having like ambassadors types of things like around the country then that kind of help? Because I know that like you taking in a lot of that, that ha that's <laughs> a lot of work for one individual person. <laughs> yeah. So before I um, even say for scenes long time ago, I ran a production company in Chicago for three years booking shows that kind of is my background um and i had a team of five women and as much as i loved everyone i worked with there were times where i was like i would love to do this myself <laughs> so i'm definitely going to be very slow um trying to build this team and that's where i'm working with people slowly figuring out which promoters really want to be a part of the project who wants to evolve it, who wants to sponsor events, um, and be really strategic with the team, especially since we know touring's not coming back for a long time um, and live events aren't coming back for a while. We have the time to really make sure this is right and this is good. It's a really good, like, incubation period, mm -hmm. basically. I guess so. I mean, obviously, with the fact that like <laughs> shows aren't coming back for a long time, uh, I like the idea that you're doing online stuff to sort of raise awareness of it. Do you do you feel like do you feel like with a lot of the stuff that's happening now that there's like a really good opportunity for it's a really good opportunity for everybody to come back and have like this better experience? Like like hey, you spent months <laughs> you spent a lot of time inside and you you were able to like kind of focus on all of these things and and obviously the bands you work with and the, the venues you work with uh you know coming coming back do you think that like a lot of these places are going to have have that lesson under their belt i really hope so i can't like actions speak louder than words and at the end of the day we can only hope that these venues have better policies are purposely creating more inclusive lineups. And that's really the goal at the end of the day is let's all make sure we're educated. So when everything is back and ready, there are no issues. We can hop right back into an inclusive space. Hmm. And then what I want to know is on your perspective, because I know I've been pretty active. I'm the main one who runs like our Twitter online for the podcast. There's a lot of, um, a lot of things going on again, like we said earlier with like cancel culture and everything. What's your perspective on that, especially when it comes to having bands take accountability and responsibility rather than just kind of writing off um, whatever allegations were against them? <laughs> um, I really think there needs to be, or each situation needs to be treated uniquely. Um, and I really choose not to speak 
unless I feel like I'm comfortable with the story. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, I feel at the end of the day, it's believe women. I am a huge feminist and you have to believe the story that's presented. And I think sometimes too, a lot of these responses come back being like, I just had no idea. I didn't realize this. Um, a lot of times the responses are wishy-washy as well. Um, and I don't think everything's cancelable, but that's where people have to be really ready to accept that they have to actually change. Um, and that's where some people deserve to be completely removed from the scene. Or not deserve, but they really should not have their platform if that's how they're going to abuse it. And I think that's when removing someone completely is necessary. Um, but I think almost most situations are conversation starters. I think that's a really great way to like look at it all because I mean, like we talked about in our last podcast episode, it was a lot of people saying like, this is it, it's cut and dry, but it is like something that we need to talk about and understand like, this is how we go through the entire scenario and not even like, here's a plan or like, here's a book layout of what's A, B, C, D, E type of thing. But it's like, okay, well, what's, you know, where do we go from here and how do we process everything? Yes, definitely. Lizzie, you should ask some other questions so that we move off of this. Yeah, like, so what we were going to jump, well, I was going to ask to get away from <laughs> some of the heavier stuff that we can. Um, what are some like newer um, music that you're listening to that you're really vibing with? New music that I'm really vibing with. Um, well, Rare Candy just put out a new single. Always one of my favorites. Um, Young Culture just actually did a really cool, like, they did an awesome campaign um, that was, um, you could call them and talk to them about anything. And it was a hotline and you didn't know who you're going to get linked up with in the band. There's three members, um, but it was partnered up with their new song release, I'll Be There. Um, and it's just like dancey, fun pop track with cute dancing. I love it so much. One of my favorite songs. Their new album's coming out later this year. And it's one of the best things I've heard. <laughs> That's really cool, though. That's like way different than like any other band that I were to think, yeah. for, especially for like a mark, like in a sense it's marketing, but it's also in another sense like, oh, hey, we actually want to like talk and like make sure everyone's like doing all right <laughs> to the best that they can right now. Yeah. And it was great. I called until I talked to all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know I could have called your personal cell phone, but I just wanted to say hey. <laughs> but it was also I to try it. Yeah, and I was like, it was nice talking to them through the hall. And I was like, this is so much fun and so creative. And their fans ate it up. It was awesome to see. Like, they were all so happy. Then they dropped, like, cool collab merch, like, donate all the proceeds. One of my favorite things. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, what other new music I'm listening to. Uh, there's an artist, Bulo. She's, like, Canadian R&B. Interesting. Like, pop, I think. I don't know how to actually describe it. <laughs> she rock. She's one of my go-tos right now. Um, I don't know. That's – I always – that question, people are like, what music are you listening to? And in my mind, I'm like, have I ever listened to music <laughs> in my life? <laughs> the hardest question <laughs> it's like a deer in a headlight question yeah. because even people ask me and i'm like oh shit i don't know anymore 
No, I was like, man, I sh- should have looked at my Spotify library before I even. Man, yeah, that's a tough question. Obviously, Dua Lipa. Everyone loves Dua. Lipa. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I listen to a lot of female pop artists. That's like Hell my yeah. yeah. We were interviewing a band like a two or three weeks ago or whenever it was, and they were like, now I'm going to hit you with a question. And we're like, all right. And he, and he was like, what, what's some new music that you're listening to? And I was like, is new music from 2009? Because otherwise I haven't listened <laughs> oh to God, anything. Really? I'm like, I, I album from 2009 because mine's fireworks. <laughs> oh my God. It's not, that's, it's a, not fair, that's a fair response. That's a fair response. <laughs> I don't know why I know that off the top of my head, but that's like one of my go-to like fun facts about me. My favorite album, 2009. Is a fireworks album. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even have that to say. I'm usually like, all of these bands just sound like you, you found two words and you put them together. I don't know what's going on. I'm 175 years old and <laughs> I haven't listened to anything new in, in decades. Unless <laughs> like, it's the 1975. Then unless it's the 1975. I got that. Uh, I also like Bring Me the Horizons new track because Bring Me the Horizons is one of my favorite bands. It's like heavy, but also like clearly a band that's been goofing off during quarantine just making like whatever they want uh i also found this band and it turns out i knew this band from before but i've been like waiting for the podcast to talk to lizzie about it oh Um, okay they're called (laughs) they're called eskimo callboy and i know lizzie's gonna be like yeah i know this band uh i don't know this band for one so i used to go on these like youtube holes of like terrible hardcore bands and it would always get me into a loop of uh, bands that were from the U.S. and bands that were from Europe. And I'd always, like, really enjoy the European bands because they're just more interesting. Usually it's in another language. Sometimes it's just chaos. And, and instead of them saying they're a band, they're a formation? They're a formation. They're just a, a collective of... They're a group? Of, they're a club? They're a collective? <laughs> we, are a, we are a collective of bands. Uh And so this band, Eskimo Callboy, was, like, from, like, 2012 electronicore like you know the the synthy breakdowns with the screaming and the clean singing and and just goofiness uh and they were awful but they just put out a new song with a new singer and oh my god it's brilliant i love it <laughs> it's like synthy poppy but with like heavy heavy breakdowns and like synthesizer and so the real question is when is this music appropriate to listen to? Is it like you're doing the dishes, you're taking no. a shower, you're going for a run, you're driving? It'd be great workout music. Okay, great. It'd that be is great workout all music. All about this band. Yeah, um, it's very like it's like that like fun party hardcore sort of thing. Like uh, uh, yes, but with breakdowns. Yeah. Are you so you mean attack attack? Yeah, Doesn't it's like a, you know what. It's Attack Attack. That's what it is. <laughs> it's 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 first album Attack Attack. Uh with like Sure, that's called Crabcore. It's not okay, Crabcore was Attack Attack's invention because they just could get so low in their skinny jeans, which like is still appropriate. Like if you're wearing Listen, skinny don't jeans. Don't you don't you want your boy to go that low sometimes? You just, in their skinny jeans? You gotta get low in them skinny jeans. I recently had to, my boyfriend tweeted about how he is a, he was like, do, am I a shorts or jeans kind of guy? And I responded, 
jorts <laughs> and I got into hit like all his fans heads oh no and i think that's like my biggest regret of 2020 was publicly labeling my boyfriend jorts guy why did uh, i do? oh god he's ruined for everywhere yeah, but then he'll wear the jorts and i'm like and I sit there and I look at them and I'm like, oh no, why did I do this? <laughs> You're like, I now I am hurting myself. <laughs> exactly. He pulled off the jorts, but in my mind, I'm just like, damn it, I should have never brought up the jorts. <laughs> it could have been like sh- super short shorts, though. I have a friend that I used to work with and he was like, any anything. He's like, super short shorts. Let's go. Crop top. Let's go. <laughs> I had a friend like that, and he would change before every show into the short shorts, um, yeah, into the short shorts crop top, and it was just so oh inspirational. God. Oh, my God. I it's a big that. confidence booster. You're just always like, I wish I could be as confident as that person over there doing that entire outfit. <laughs> my go-to outfit is literally this flannel and this T-shirt. <laughs> I wore it at a popular festival called Snowed In in Ohio. Oh, I wanted to go to that one, too. I think I had something that weekend I couldn't, like, drive out there. It's an awesome festival. Oh, I would... no, wait. I was at the NCR show in L.A. That's why. Okay. Humble brag. <laughs> yeah. So... No, I had to, like, remember. I'm like, wait, I really wanted to go to that, but I couldn't make it work. What was it? Because I remember it was, like, around my birthday. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, when was your birthday? December 15th. Mine's the 19th. Oh, my God. There's other people. I've been going to Snowden since I was 18 because the first year it landed on my birthday. Oh. Like, I took a road trip out to Cleveland, um, and I've been going as often as possible because, obviously, in the holidays, definitely gets a little tricky. Um, But it's always been one of my favorites. That venue is fantastic. I know I wanted to go to um, Bloodfest last year during the last year and we um we talked with the nate too mm-hmm. and i felt bad because i also wanted to go but my brother was an american ninja warrior so i had to go to ohio <laughs> to watch him film that so <laughs> you like have all of these weird like i couldn't I make know. it to this it's show like all these really what lame I know, thing I, was i doing oh i'm sorry i was a ninja warrior because Honestly, i would take that over scene <laughs> it was insane i almost fought a producer <laughs> That sounds like it could be an entire podcast episode on its own. It really could. And she said, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm like, wow, surprise. I work in this industry, too. You want to fight? <laughs> nothing worse it's three than, in the morning. <laughs> nothing worse than women calling out women. Yeah, I was like, why are we? I'm like, I know you're over works. I get it. I'm asking you a simple question. Like, let's not fight here. I'm not here to fight you. I'm asking you a question. It is three in the morning. I know we have all been up very late. Please. <laughs> wow. So yeah, music uh, is hard now <laughs> to get into new bands. I don't know. Sorry, I was bringing it back to the original topic. Of, I was about to say, what was the original topic? Of um, music. And also yeah. listen to Eskimo Callboy. <laughs> okay, I don't back the Eskimo Callboy suggestion. Yeah, don't listen to it. But also, check it out. Unless you want to have like a kind of like crazy like run around filled day. Like If you're like, I'm going to go outside in this 90 degree heat and run around and exhaust myself, mm-hmm. probably listen to that band. I promise you, however that band makes you feel, at least the Young Culture song will make you feel better. Oh, there we go. For everyone listening. Just going to play Young Culture again. 
Yes. Lizzie. See, now you have some new bands to listen to that I'll... because you won't listen to me when I tell you a new band. You'll be like, what is this? I mean, you can also check out Safer Scenes Radio. The first playlist is playlist will be going live on Monday. Nice. Um, so hopefully just trying to get some new um, diverse music in people's ears. Absolutely. Love I, that. Is that going to be on a uh, Spotify or is it going to be a different streaming platform? Yes, it'll be on Spotify. Um, the link you can, the link on the website currently goes to an empty playlist. <laughs> um, I just wanted to put it on there. Um, but on Monday, the first playlist will go live. Yeah. Can, can you give us a, some hints of who may be on there? Because this will go <laughs> off. This this will be posted on Monday. So yeah. when people listen, they can go straight there. Cool. Yeah, you'll definitely hear. One of my favorite Chicago bands, Action Adventure. They'll mm-hmm. probably be the opening track. Um, Better Love, some of my favorite queer artists. Um, they just recently put out a new single as well. Um, so they'll probably be on the top of the list there. Um, it's a great band, Meet Me at the Altar. They've been getting a lot of traction recently. Mm-hmm. Um, they have put out a song recently called Garden. Um yeah, so, I, yeah, I found out about them like three or so years ago and they've been so good. I'm really glad they're finally getting like the recognition they should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just recently played Chicago with Out of Context back in March. And I think that was their first Chicago play. That um, was their second. They had another one because I wasn't able to go to the first one. And it was at another DIY venue. What cool shit were you doing for that one, Lizzie? <laughs> I think I had class. Oh, <laughs> so sure. it wasn't cool. Sure. <laughs> but... um. No, that Inside Town show was my last show before quarantine. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I went down there and I sat, I stood there. I'm like, I'm 25. And I was like, I think I'm the oldest person here. And then I saw someone I went to high school with. I'm like, never mind. He's the oldest person here. We did the Inside Town or Inside Town was one of my last crazy events um, without context. We had some final shows sprinkled here and there. But I interviewed for my current job back in august um and i didn't take the or i didn't start until november so i had a very long time to plan my farewell um and i threw a massive like three-year anniversary show for out of contacts we would always do like a carnival um around a festival that i cannot associate with my carnival (laughs) they have politely asked me not to (laughs) Um, but it happens the thursday before the festival um and like I just started throwing these crazy fun events because I was like pretty much I was like fuck it we ball um <laughs> and one of them was um I was sitting at Chicago diner with a couple of friends of mine and they were about to leave for a Europe tour in like five days they just got back from a different tour that morning maybe and we all went to Chicago diner and they all decided they wanted some extra money to take with them to Europe. Um, so, of course, one of them looks up from looking down at their phones, looks at me and goes, how fast could you book a show? <laughs> and I am like, this is so funny. <laughs> like, how fast do you need a show booked is the better question. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, is this really a challenge right now? Because yeah. I have to decide well, how, how we're going to play this out. But anyways, my dad told me I couldn't do it in his backyard. Um, The normal DIY venue that I use had just closed. 
Um, so I was put on a challenge to find a DIY spot to host shows. Um, luckily, Michelle and Caitlin, the two lovely ladies who took over out of context, were already in talks with this venue. Um, and instead of like a normal show, their first show without of context was this crazy secret show that we announced the lineup day of um, over 150 people came. <laughs> um, one of my most chaotic, like five day periods, like the venue had no PA. I had just sold my <laughs> PA in preparation to move to New York. Um, and that is how that show came together. And it was just, it was, we normally go to a bar on Monday nights and it's a dollar beer night. And that's what we all text our friends asking if they're going to go to the bar. We go dollar beer night. Um, so we all were selling dollar beers at the show. Um, it was just one of the most fun events I had, but that was inside town. That was my first experience with inside town <laughs> was throwing that crazy event at that spot. Well, hey, it's a really cool spot. I walked in, I'm like, okay, it's different. We went, so the, when I was there, I did not realize they had done any of those renovations until I saw some pictures a few weeks ago. <laughs> and I was like, damn, no one told me Inside Town looks that nice now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks great now. I can't wait to go see it in person. <laughs> God, I can't wait to go see it in person again either at this point. Yeah. For real, I will probably fly home the first time they have a show. <laughs> That's big dedication to, you know, coming back and seeing everything. Yeah. It's definitely been a very hard thing for me to move to New York and feel so separated from Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, because that really was my home and my start to everything music really. But the Chicago scene is my scene. Um, so it's definitely weird being in New York, but still my entire life being back in Chicago. Um, like I'm here for a job and I love my job. I'm not mad that I'm here. Mm -hmm. um, but there are definite times where I feel like I've missed out on some of the bigger events that were happening and some of those big moments that were monumental for the bands that I grew up with. Um, so I did when I, before quarantine happened, I first moved in November, I was visiting Chicago once to twice a month, uh, to just be home and be with my bands. <laughs> so did you kind of develop FOMO in a sense after you left? Yes. Um, there was definitely a lot of, man, I can't believe I'm not going to these gigs and, um, there was a lot of when out of context changed hands. Um, I was still like teaching them a lot of what to do and how to do it. And I definitely, there were a lot of times where I was like, I just wish I could write this email. I wish I could call the person, have it done. And, but I had to really let go on everything I was doing and really let someone else take charge and stepping back from booking almost a hundred shows a year to all of a sudden booking none <laughs> was extremely difficult on my mental health. Mm -hmm. I felt so out of touch with everything that was going on. Um, and it just took adjusting to the fact that I had new things to focus on. How was that um, for you? Like what were some things that you were trying to do to like kind of balance yourself out and be like, Hey, I need to, like, it sucks, but I have to move on with my own personal, like, career and life. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I still, like, I feel like I was still helping, like, they're my two of my best friends. So if they have any questions, they feel like they've always felt like they could ask me. Um, and I definitely know when I was booking shows, I had mentors and people who had been booking for years, helping me out constantly. Um, but yeah, like it, like I'm saying, it was really hard and I wanted to be the one booking this band's EP release show. I wanted to be, oh, this band's going to be in Chicago. Like, let's book a rager. Let's book a good one. Like, I miss that. And even like I did a out of context to Christmas shows every year. Um, this is my first time not doing a Christmas event. Um, and just like, even like, I remember my last night, my very last night in Chicago was a show that I had booked at Cobra Lounge. And I sent out a discounted ticket link to all my close friends. Cause I was like, I can't just guest list everyone. <laughs> um, I sent an extremely discounted ticket out and I was like, look, this is my last night and I want nothing more than it to be a good show. Um, and it rocked. Better Love played. I had a great time. Um, and then went out to a classic, went out to Flatiron. Um, and then woke up at 7 the next morning to drive to New York. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. It was not my best moment, but, you know, I'm young and life goes on. You bounce back. It's yeah. fine. You, you get to New York. You sleep forever. Come back. Yeah. You're good. It was fine. I didn't have to drive at all. So. There you go. I Even want better. I'll give a hot take that Flatiron is probably my least favorite bar in Chicago. Really, the <laughs> least favorite bar. But I, I should give that as a, as a in in context. It is a bar that I go to like way more often than if I said, "Oh, this is my least favorite bar. I'm never going there." Like I'm there way too often for that. You uh, just stumble in a bar and be like this energy sucks and walked out but i promise you that's probably the worst bar in chicago <laughs> you're probably right i don't like it that much but that does not mean it is a bad bar <laughs> no i i don't think that Flatiron is a bad bar and i do think that like my opinions on it are completely like circumstantial to my own experience there oh which may or may not have been changed by my own actions and behavior over the past let me count the years minimum <laughs> 11 years of going there. <laughs> so like I've had a lot of time to have good and bad experiences there. <laughs> uh, but being that it is the 4am that I would prefer to go to after being at subterranean all night for like emo night LA or a show or whatever. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go there or Estelle's, which I also, I very much like Estelle's. You took us to Nick's beer garden after it, you DJed beauty bar. And you're like, let's go to this one. And I'm because like, Buckley goes there. It's classic. That is a, Brian Buckley. Yeah. And that's you the reason. Go, you go to Doves for dinner and then you go <laughs> to Nick's for drinks. That is what you do every time you hang out with Buckley. Being that I'm I'm very old now and I understand oh my God. I understand his his reasoning for this is because he lives right fucking there. So it's a walking distance to both places. And I'm like, oh I like that. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Me and Buckley one time met up. We were both on tour in Palm Springs, California, and we both had a night off in the same city, <laughs> both in Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so of course we meet up in the first bar we go to, probably the worst bar I've ever been to. Um, <laughs> but we walk to a bar a few minutes down the street and it of course ended up being a gay Chicago bar. And everyone in the bar was thrilled that we were actually from Chicago. <laughs> and, of course, me and Buckley, I think, are two people who love Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone from Chicago loves talking about being from Chicago. So, Absolutely. of course, we're at Palm Springs at a bar <laughs> eating this up. We are so thrilled to talk to everyone about Chicago. <laughs> um, and that was definitely one of those instances where I – like, I love when – I have friends at home who are also my tour friends because then we get to have those moments. Mm -hmm. So I do want to ask for what is your like OG origin story going back to like how you started booking? Because I know everybody (laughs) like started off somehow, some way like getting into the industry. Like what is your like origin story? How long do you want this origin story to take? Well, like, if you want the, the 30 seconds. Okay. You know, I'll just start and it will reach an end at some point. We'll see. So, Great. Um, a long time ago, I was like 14. I was older. I was like 15 or 16. My boyfriend at the time was in a popular pop punk band. Um, so I started going to shows. I literally, one of the first local shows I went to was at Pub Yahoo. It was Hawaiian shirt night, and everyone is a pub yahoo wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Oh, God. That's incredible. I, I literally – I love Hawaiian shirt night. I will do it as often as possible if I can get everyone there to wear a Hawaiian shirt. Anyways, see, the story said the story can go on for a while. <laughs> Anyways, got into shows that way. The very first show I ever booked, um, this band called Dear You. They're from Texas. Um they had a show drop and they said, if anyone can book any sort of show, let's do it. My boyfriend still at the time in this band was like, yeah, if your dad will let us do a show in his living room, like we can do an acoustic show. My aunt was living with us, living with us at the time. She handled catering. Like, so she catered for the bands, cooked for all the bands. We gave them 100% of the door. We had the best time. This band stayed with us every time they came to Chicago um so that was like my first ever show then went to college I went to Loyola I studied social work um but I joined a club it was in its first year of existence I was in one of those groups on Facebook that's like meet your new future roommate and a senior posted if anyone likes punk or metal music I'm starting this club Hmm. um I joined the club and within my first semester I'm already like on the board by the second semester. They bring me onto the board for my sophomore year. Halfway through my sophomore year, I become president. (laughs) Um, At that time, I also was working on a collab show that was going to be hosted at the school um, with a band called Beartooth. I had a good friend from a Chicago nonprofit try and set that up. We were benefiting the nonprofit. Five days before the show happened, the school decided it was an unsafe event to have. Oh. We had sold 700 tickets. Oh, my God. Conveniently, one of the opening bands on the show I had booked 
is the talent buyer for one of the only 700 cap venues in Chicago. <laughs> so he kept the entire calendar free at the venue that night because he wanted to focus on this show. Hmm. So venue school cancels. Then we decide because we conveniently sold out at 700 tickets that we could move this show to the 700 cap venue. And mind you, I'm also, this is all the, the entire day I'm figuring this out. I'm supposed to be getting on a flight to Texas that night. <laughs> so, um, figured that out, moved the show to that nice 700 cap room in Chicago. Um, at the same time, I am interviewing for a lovely company from Chicago to intern at Kickstand Productions. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I go into my interview with this crazy chaotic story. Very chaotic about the whole situation with this band. Um, and the talent buyer was like, yeah, this seems cool. And I worked booking shows there for a while. And um, that was like just how I learned so much about what it meant to be like a talent buyer and working with agents and just like the professional communication, um, started managing a couple bands, started booking independently. I was also selling merch. I used to manage box office for a venue in Chicago touring. Um, but that was the beauty of touring was I got to pick and choose when I needed to be home for shows and when I wanted to be on the road to focus on my own life. So there were times where I would have friends standing in the back of venues FaceTiming me to like sold out shows that I hosted. And I would just be in a tour van in Nebraska. Um, and it sucked, but at the same time too, it was really cool that I could live like this. It was crazy because it was like almost a double life, but that's how I got the job that I have now is these two lives like slowly just kept coming closer. Like my touring and my festival life kept inching closer and closer to my talent buying and promoter life. And um, that's how I ended up getting in touch with my current boss um, was because he's like, you really do all these things and like, this is how you live your life. And I was like, yeah. And like, I want to grow and do more. Um, so that's how I ended up with the current position I have now. That's awesome. That's like a big like inspo story of being like, I love chaos and I live in it. So let's keep going. <laughs> I had no idea I wanted to work in the music industry. That was the thing is it slowly, slowly invaded my life. It was just these <laughs> little things that would take over. And now, like I said, I know nothing but live concerts. That is all I know. Um, and it just slowly happened. It started when I was 18 and here I am. Especially because you said, like, you majored in, like, social work. Like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. I mean, it goes back to, like, you, well, you know, obviously, college. like, safer scenes, but. But, yeah, that's the thing, too, is I've always had, like, I don't know if a lot of people knew this, but out of context, we had an 80% success rate on women on our stages. Hmm. So we were purposely making sure women were on stage. I hired an all woman team. That was never like the mission of the company, but I used our platform to diversify the scene. And I wanted to make sure that women and people of color, if it was, it was 80% women, but we had over 95% of our shows, women, non-binary, 
people of color. And that was a huge thing that we wanted to make normal. We were not out here telling people, we book women. We just did it. And I think that's a huge inspiration for safer scenes is like, it's really easy to just do it. And it doesn't have to be a big fuss. You just have to be willing to do it. That's right. Awesome. Just because you want to normalize things, you can't be. I know that a lot of people's like comeback when you talk about trying to add more diversified lineups is really just them saying, well, now you're going to put all these bands on there just because you want the public to say so, which I know that some bigger tours last year and I know this year that didn't happen. Had a lot of criticism for that too. But, you know, it is like just kind of just normalizing it, not saying anything, you're saying like, here's these rad bands that you might like or that I know that, you know, the audience likes, you know, they just so happen to be, you know, in these different categories. They're not just a bunch of white kids, white dudes from the suburbs playing shows about they hate how much they hate their town and their parents or whatever. <laughs> it's like different people talking about different things. Yeah, that was like, that's always been like, as a woman of color, like that's just been something that I always think I studied music since I was two. Um, so like I'm a musician. My, I've spent my entire life being a musician. I play drums. Um, but if I saw a woman drummer on stage, would my entire career trajectory be different? I can't think of very many women. There's one band, a band called Car Party. They broke up in 2014. They were the first time I ever saw a woman on stage playing drums. And I didn't see that until I was a senior in high school. I think so differently how my career could have ended up if I had someone to look up to. Yeah. Instead, I'm here and... I would like to change that in the future. And I want to make sure more women can be inspiration for other women. And now what are some ways that you think that other people can start to go about this, especially if they are a promoter who is male, it's, you know, because you, again, they're going to start to do it and they're obviously going to get pushback because we've seen so much pushback when it comes to this for whatever the weird reason is, how, what would you tell people to, do this and you, how to kind of manage it you have to be decisive you have to be very clear with your intentions and hold yourself accountable um and like you have to be willing to take a chance and I knew my struggle when I first started this when I started that idea um was I don't know that many women musicians um but then I went into Facebook groups, DIY Chicago, Girls Behind the Rock show. And I went in there and I was like, I need female bands. Like, I don't care who you are, I'll book you. And I learned too, like Out of Context didn't just book pop punk. We booked pop bands, we booked R&B, we booked folk. And we also really integrated. I know I've put on like classic rock bands, like shout out Girl K. Kathy literally played almost every show I asked and she would play with the all white male pop punk lineups because every band, I feel like every band I ever put her on a show with loved her and like her fans wouldn't come out as often to our shows, but they would go to her other shows. But like Kathy knew she was tapping into something, or I think she knew <laughs> that she was tapping into something a little different by playing our shows. Um, but like 
that was like a band that I had never heard of. Probably one of the best bands in Chicago. Yeah, I love Girl K. Exactly. And that was a big thing was just like, I got to actually learn more about women in music too, by forcing myself to make this decision to book women. Mm. Um, And that's where I think it it sucks if you have to oversaturate and put a band on a few more times, or you might have a band that doesn't have a good platform playing your show, but you could always be surprised as a promoter, how many people a band actually bring. Like Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, those numbers mean very little to actual hard ticket sales. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think taking a chance on women, educating yourself on other female bands in your community or non-binary or people of color bands, um, diversifying what you think of as your local scene, because there's always more bands that you've never heard of. Honestly, yeah, that's all I would suggest. Just be really decisive and don't back down. (laughs) And when it comes, oh, you go, Brian. It's your turn. It's your turn now. (laughs) It's your turn now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I promise I have an okay question. Uh, I, I used to be in bands and have only, as far as I know, I might have to, you know, go back and like check this answer later. I hope somebody doesn't come for me on Twitter. Like, Hey, you, you, you worked. Uh, I think I've only worked with like male bookers. Like I can't think of like a lot of bookers, like knowing that you are a, a, a woman booker in the city of Chicago. Are there, are there just not that many like women that are doing booking that are, are in charge of these shows? And so there's, that's like another big thing was anytime I would meet other female talent buyers, it was like, hell yeah, this rocks. <laughs> um, Rachel of Anchor Magazine puts on mm-hmm. amazing showcases. Um, also one of the best writers. Anytime a band needs a bio, I always send them to Rachel. Mm-hmm. But Rachel rocks. Um, there's also Alicia, Alicia from, she works at, Sleeping She's with village. the Sleeping Village, yeah. I used mm-hmm. to yeah. Um, intern with her on some stuff, so she's yeah. super awesome. She also rocks. Um, Anya runs Bottlenose in Chicago. They only had a couple shows before um, Roni season. Um, <laughs> Anya is also fantastic. She actually collabed at the first Safer Scenes live stream with me. Um, and... I know I'm going to be forgetting people, <laughs> of course. but like, those are definitely like three women that have only inspired me. Um, and I don't work with them very often because I know I often get put into like a pop punk bubble mm. and it's like hard for me to leave. <laughs> um, so I understand it may always be hard for them to work with me or <laughs> whatever. Regardless, I know our scene is very, so regardless, um, <laughs> But they've always just, I've always been so inspired and like, I wish I knew more female talent buyers. Like Philadelphia um, has two really awesome buyers um, that I'm good friends with. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know many. And that's where like, that was a big inspiration too. When I decided to grow a team with Out of Context, I, I made it decisive. I want an all female team. Um, and I, best team I ever could have had. They were all my best friends. 
Yeah, I, I, I consider kind of like with the the original thing of, of safer scenes is like, well, one way that we have less uh, having women in power tends to benefit uh, women not suffering these these injustices as much because you have different types of people than white men just setting things up and then covering up all of their problems created from that and having women in positions of power tends to stop a lot of the stuff from happening so it's interesting that like you you maybe people aren't thinking like well the people putting these shows together are straight white men the people who are booking who are, who are being booked on the stage are all straight white men the people who are defending them are all straight white men and it's like okay well i i love to even like take uh the list of people that you you list it off and put them in the link of this episode just to make sure that people like who are in bands know who to reach out to if they're like, hey, I don't want to work with these same well, shitty white dudes who are booking all the same fucking shows. Let me add to that the two women who took over out of context also I when I changed ownership of the company hmm. gave it to two incredible women. Yeah. Um, but that's because one of them worked uh, Michelle worked with me like she was the first person I brought on and she was the last person she's still running it now Mm -hmm. um absolutely like when I say the best team she rocks yeah Yeah, I definitely think that like if we have bands that that are listening to our podcast like that's that's definitely one thing to uh consider is is who is booking the show and to be 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 more open-minded to working with different types of people to book different types of shows because certainly I've worked with a bunch of shitty bookers, <laughs> a bunch of shitty bookers who are just like, just getting by on the sake of that they're, they're men. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you suck. <laughs> yeah, that was- Oh, you can go, Nina. I was going to say, I've definitely had the issue too, where I'll walk into venues and I'll say something or do something and I'll have a security guard look at me. I once got kicked out of one of my venues for not having a wristband. Um, and I called the venue manager and I was like, your security guard will not let me back inside. And like this, he know this is my show. <laughs> and like, I've had that a lot, um, too, or like, even just because I put on the event doesn't put me above mm. these people just being misogynistic or whatever. And there have been times where they look at me and they're like, she works for you. And I'm like, yes, I only hire females. I've been doing shows here for two years. Why do you ask me that every time I have a staff member? Wow. That is straight up ridiculous. (laughs) Definitely difficult. And it's definitely too, like, I know like I'm on the younger side or especially when I started, I was very young and I ran a super tight ship and people are always like, wow, that's so great. And this and that. Um, but at the same time, too, I was pushed to start my own company because I couldn't find a job anywhere. Mm. And that I don't attribute to. I attribute it more to the job market than for being a woman. Um, but there have definitely been times where I'm like, people are just surprised by the job that I had and what I was doing. And they would always be like, wow, not many girls do this. And I'm like, that's great. Well, I'm doing it do you want me to do shows at your venue or not? Like, let's move on. <laughs> I definitely had that experience. I was doing some talent buying and booking too, like a handful of years ago around the Chicago area. And I was like, yeah, I'm dealing with a lot of like 
older dudes and the same thing like I look younger I I was younger and they wouldn't take me seriously and I got to a point where I got so fed up I'm like I don't want to deal with this micromanagement I have a bad temper so I don't want to go off anyone I'm going to piss off but I also am not going to be treated like shit and I will say I actually put on a show up at elbow room because I was interning with their marketing company and <laughs> one I put one of my friends from undergrad because he got me into the music scene and he was like oh me and my friends are just doing like this jam band thing I'm like whatever I'll just put you on the bill why not and <laughs> Alicia came she's like oh my god that's like so awesome that you're doing more of this now and I was like oh my god like I feel so like like not, I feel like good about that like it's very genuine and like seemed like she would want to help but then it just like it didn't unfortunately go anywhere and here I am which is fine <laughs> but I was definitely like wow if we had more of these like women and like also non-binary and queer individuals like it like to talk and converse with each other more often I think we would have so much more of a diverse scene but it's also so difficult that you know a lot of these owners of a lot of these venues too are also like predominantly white men too and it's not like all of us can be like hey guys let's pull our money together and buy a <laughs> venue because that's not super realistic maybe right now i know the, the market's about to crash down for like real estate so maybe i don't know buy township oh god we need to Ooh, buy township. yes 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 anyways uh, we'll start a group chat after the podcast yeah. we'll into that with anyone involved <laughs> guys they this is what this is what communism looks like we all own it we're all putting it in. It's Look, great. I'm a great cook. Like, yeah, <laughs> rest. Funny story about Township. One time, my mother, my parents, by the way, crazy supportive. They would come to my shows. Like, my dad would surprise me all the time at my gigs. And I'd be like, oh, no, please don't embarrass me. <laughs> but my dad would show up all the time. Um, I'm Puerto Rican. We threw a large Puerto Rico benefit at Township few years back, um, right when the hurricanes hit, um, my mother came to the show and she goes, do you not remember this place? And I look at her and I'm 21 at this point. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, I don't remember this place. I'm here every day. I was also like a bartender at Township. <laughs> I would do doors outside of my concerts. So I was always there. I'm like, I'm like, yes, mom, of course I recognize this place. Like, this is Township. And my mom goes, no, this is Ponchos. Before Township, Ponchos was my mother's favorite Puerto Rican restaurant in all of Chicago. Huh. Oh, my God. And as soon as she said, this is Ponchos, I looked around the room. <laughs> and I was like, there is no way. <laughs> and like, she pulled up pictures of me and my brother sitting there eating food. And that's why my mom then, of course, gets teary-eyed. Mm. Like, it's so awesome that you and your friends care this much to raise money for Puerto Rico and the communities down there. And my mom was always like, it sucks that this area became gentrified. Mm. And that um, that happened. And my mom's like, but it's definitely great seeing young kids come in and use this space to still be doing something better for the community. But yeah, crazy story about Township. I was like, I was there all the time as a child. Huh. And I had no idea. That's like a big full circle moment, though. Definitely full circle. And it definitely just... Like, that venue was a second home to me. And it just really felt right 
when my mom told me that, that that was where I ended up. All right. Well, we have that, to buy it now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was also my first. Yeah. That was my first ever main market Chicago show. That was what like turned out of context from booking the suburbs <laughs> to booking the city. It was township gave me the room. Nice. And I was able to do really good shows at Township, which then turned into really good shows at Cobra Lounge. Hmm. And like that's how we were able to grow from the 150 to 300 cap. That's awesome. Yeah. It was fun. It's also a much better story than my funny Township story. Oh, no. I I played a show there. I think I think we played two shows in my old band. And this is, you know, at the at peak, like, scene years where, like, you know, hair and outfits and all that. No, 20, oh, that was 2011. Okay. That was going to be my next guess. I yeah. just, I'm, I'm 70,000 years Stop. old. Uh, my age keeps going up by just a huge number every time. Uh, so I, I got food and I went to the, the, the bartender to pay and I got my receipt, my, my, my bill. And apparently he had forgotten my name and he wrote on the tab, like, Brian question mark and then in all caps <laughs> hair and I was like that's fair that's that's how I would remember me because I just had like this huge like up like my hair now but just like even more tall and up and I was very Skrillexy for a number of years so I would really like to see baby Brian's photos baby I was like 24 <laughs> oh god how old was I oh god. yeah I was like I was 23 at the time i'm like how old was i i thought you were talking i keep forgetting that we're in different like universes when it comes to our ages yes exactly uh i i had a i had a conversation today about like why there are no videos of me when i was a baby <laughs> and i was like because there weren't video cameras readily available when i was a baby <laughs> like no one in my family owned a video camera until i was like almost 10 years old like they just did like what how old am i <laughs> anyway i'm 90 years old on the next episode we're going to deal with brian slipping grip on reality that age. is that has nothing to do with my age that has everything to do with not leaving this house for weeks at a time <laughs> that's it and if i do i wear a fucking mask oh that's another service you can find um, via safer scenes, I'm going to be adding a link to the site soon, but anyone can reach out to me directly. Um, since the start of quarantine, um, I've been making masks for essential workers for free. Fuck yeah. Um, if anyone would like to donate to help cover shipping costs, any extra money I get gets put into a pot to help continue sending out masks for free to essential workers. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, we make masks with adjustable straps and pockets for filters completely free i think at this point most people have masks um but if you need additional masks mine are also machine washable so i know people will get a couple of them so they can wear to work from on the wash um but that will be another thing to make sure our scenes are safe i'm going to be adding that to the safer scenes website um the mask sign up that's awesome that's yeah that's really good <laughs> that's that's a lot of like sewing and like just time and diligence <laughs> i make my boyfriend sit here and cut all the fabric um, <laughs> okay there's that perfect he's like it's so nice getting to do things with you and i'm like i am so glad that you enjoy doing this with me. 
You're not like one of those like meme Twitter boyfriends where you're like looking and you're like, oh God, like leave him, sis. <laughs> no, he um he's the best. He's like super supportive of all these like crazy ideas I have and he just lets me roll with it. <laughs> Uh, well, we've been recording for a little over an hour, um, so I want to make sure that we just have like some time to like get some final words in about like support. Like, I, obviously, like yes, please donate to get masks to essential workers. Uh, even just you know, donate to get masks sent to people who are uh, fucking morons who won't wear them. Uh, everybody should have a mask at this point. And you know, donate them to the dumbasses in Wrigleyville not wearing masks. Yeah. I, if I wasn't so scared to be outside, I would go personally hand them a mask, but I don't want to be around these people. Um, so, I, yeah, I just want to make sure that you have you have the opportunity to to get everybody to come to where they can find out more information about uh, safer scenes, about, you know, any anything that you want to promote. So uh, I'll give you this. I'll give you the floor now to do that. Yeah, um, thank you guys also for, for hosting me. This has been a wonderful hour and a half. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you can find safer scenes. It's safer underscore scenes on both Twitter and Instagram and safer scenes.com for the internet. Um, no Facebook page. I think we're all a little past Facebook pages, um, but you can also reach out to me directly. Nina Swint at gmail.com. Any and all inquiries about the project, about anything can go there. And if I can just like promote anything, um, I am going to just drop a line. Um, my friends in Action Adventure are entirely a band of people of color. Um, they've been my day ones. They've played every show with every organization that I've ever worked with. Um, they have a new EP coming out later this year. Um, they mean the world to me. And I just, especially during this time when we want to diversify the music coming into our headphones they're the most important band and i really think i think they deserve everyone's attention and i would love for people to check them out fantastic um well yeah everybody who's listening go do that and everybody who's on twitch right now go do that um, usually what we do is we wrap up the episode and then we, uh, we keep talking a little bit on Twitch if anybody wants to, I don't know if anybody wants to, but we'll do that. And, uh, um, yeah. Thank you, Nina, for joining us on this podcast episode. I'm going to play the outro, the, what's the intro theme, but it's also the outro theme. You know, everything has two uses. That doesn't make sense to say at all. Uh, <laughs> So I'm going to play the outro theme and say goodbye, and we'll just keep talking on Twitch. Uh, yeah, thank you, Nina, for joining us tonight on the Emo Social Club podcast. And from all of us here at the Emo Social... Fuck it. <laughs> the Emo Social Club God, podcast. Really I am Brian. I'm Lizzie. <laughs> and goodbye.